Thank you again, Mrs. Williams. I appreciate people that are flexible. That's what the ministry is. It's flexible. Uh, I tell you what, we had, uh, there was another special set for this morning and it canceled because somebody couldn't be here or something. I don't know. But uh, Mrs. Williams jumped in. I appreciate that. Sounds like, that's, she's always singing new songs. I assume maybe she wrote that this week. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'm telling you what, I like the music of Shenandoah. appreciate you. Man, I encourage you to be here tonight. Be here for tonight's service. That's a, that's a time where there's, all, there's a lot of ministries going on right now. We've got several junior churches and all kinds of stuff and 45 nurseries. Praise God for them. Hallelujah. And uh, all of that. And I tell you, uh, t- Sunday night is family time. And I, I like it. I like it. The Brother Jones last week was singing for us. Last, I tell you what, last Sunday night, Brother Jones. Brother Jones, would you teach this Brother Jones to sing? Could you do that for me? I was up here having fun, and I was trying to get him to sing a part, and I was showing him how to do it in the songbook, and he was making fun of me or something. I, would, you, would you help him? That would be helpful to me. One Jones to another, all right? That would be good, okay? Amen, and I uh, appreciate you. We had buses running today. Praise God for it. Thank you for many of you that were stepping in to drive or to captain it, because it's the end of summer. And uh, folks are on vacation, and then there's a few folks that weren't well today and different things, and I appreciate you stepping in, stepping in, and uh, all of that. I, I'm just, uh, Shenandoah, I love you, and I thank you for, the, for all that you do in the work of the ministry around here. And so, 2 Samuel, we'll get to our scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 16, at the end of it, the last verse is verse 23. And there was uh, some funny names in there, wasn't there? Some big funny names. The Bible says here, in the council of Ahithophel. What, who? Ahithophel. Say it with me. Ready? Ahithophel. Yeah. That's, uh, aren't you glad your name's not Ahithophel? <laughs> and it's people trying to, to spell that for the rest of your life. Amen? Ahithophel. And uh, there's another man in here. We, David, we know him. He's mentioned in here. And then Absalom. Absalom. Okay? So who are these people? Obviously, David is the king. And then we have Ahithophel that's mentioned. Ahithophel. Ahithophel is an older man and he's a counselor. He counseled David. He was kind of a, a right-hand man to David. Would, would, David would seek counsel from him. You, you know that this has always been the way that anybody in leadership has to have some people that they confide in, that they go to for counsel, for wisdom. Nebuchadnezzar had, had several of them. One of them was Daniel who was ranked at the top. Because of God's blessing. And uh, there's always been that case. I tell you, since I've been your pastor, I've made several phone calls to different pastors and I've asked questions. Hey, how'd you do it when you came to this? How'd you do it when you came to this way? And what happened when you came to this? And we've got to have counselors. We have to seek counsel in our life. It's important. It's important for fathers to do that. It's important for mothers to do that. For all kinds of people to do that. And so we here we have Ahithophel who is David's counselor. His right hand man. David in the book of, or in the book of Psalms in, in chapter 41 calls him mine own friend. He was dear and close. He, he actually says my own familiar friend. And he said he was close to him. All right. In, uh, uh, in this verse also we have Absalom. If you don't know who Absalom was, Absalom was David's son. One of David's son, and he was not the oldest. He was down the line just a bit, and uh, Absalom is his son here. And so this verse, we find this right in the middle of a very interesting story, a very uh, unique one. 
Really it is. Absalom, many of you Bible students, you know Absalom was a spool brat. He was. He, if he didn't get his way, he figured out how to do it and whined about it or made something happen. One time he wanted some man to come talk to him. I think it was Joab. And he's trying to get Joab to come see him. And Joab wouldn't come. And so he burned his field down. That's called a spooled brat right there. You cannot get in your way. Absalom had some issues. He was, he was a rebel. And he, and, and, uh, he, he defied, uh, defied uh, David, of course, here. And so we know that Absalom ended up killing his brother, Amnon. And he ran off, remember, he ran off to his granddaddy in another, another kingdom and uh, hid, hid there for several years. We know that if you've read this, this account in Scripture, and I would encourage you to do that, just to have memory of it, to be reminded of it. There's several chapters before this and several chapters after this to get the whole context here. But I'm going to give it to you briefly this morning. Absalom killed his brother. He runs off. David in his mercy and, and, and just waiting to see what God will do there. David, of course, the sinner, he knew that men needed time to realize that they had, they had sinned. And remember, David just shortly before this had sinned greatly. And Nathan went to him and reminded him of that. And he came back to the Lord. So Absalom, is he, he's away. And uh, eventually he comes back home. And after some time, a couple of years, David and Absalom have a... Uh, they reconcile. Now, David is forgiving. Absalom seeking forgiveness. But when we see this story, we read through the scripture, we realize that it was really just a facade. It was just fake. Absalom didn't mean what he was saying when he came and got right with his daddy. And uh, we see that he was truly a rebel and it, and it just keeps coming out in his life here. And so Absalom... He, uh, he makes up with his daddy, or so he says, and he goes down to the gate of the city. And as men would come seeking judgment of the king. Now, if you have a, if you have a dispute or an issue uh, with someone else, you go to a judge. You go to, a lot of times in this church, we come, you come to a pastor, you come to a deacon, and you, you, you ask for help. Hey, would you intervene here? Would you help? Would you be a middleman? And let's work through this together. In, in Israel here, remember, plenty of them came to Moses. And so much so that Jethro had to tell Moses, hey, you need to delegate some of this. You need, to have, you need to have some captains of 50s, captains of 100s, and different people over these things, right? And so here, David, the king, and he's got people coming asking to hear their cause. Well, what's Absalom doing? Absalom's down in the gate of the city, and as they come seeking for judgment, he says, you know what? If I was your judge, you would get justice. If I was your judge, you'd get what you're looking for. If I was your judge, everything would work out and we would take care of this thing. And the Bible literally says he took their hand and kissed it. In other words, he was doing what he could do to win them over to himself. And the Bible then says after that, that he stole the hearts of the men of Israel away from David. That's that, that's that younger crowd. Remember, David, David's an, an older man at this point. He's been king for a little while. Absalom wasn't even born till David was king in Hebron. 
And so he's been king for a while. David's glory days are, are behind him when he was a man of war and leading the country to, to war and the, and the one who killed Goliath and all of that where they used to sing their praise, his praises. You remember what they used to sing? They say, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Well, those days have been gone for a while. He's now an older man and he's letting other people uh, fight his battles and such and all of that. Absalom now starting to steal the hearts of the men of Israel, that younger crowd, some of the, the ones that didn't see David and the mighty man of war that he was and all of that. And he's sneaky. He's, he's, he's a rebel. He's trying, to, he's trying to stir up a coup, if you can say it that way. And he does. He does. Many of you, that uh, Bible students, you read your Bible, you go through it, you understand where, where, this, where this is headed. He, he says, Daddy, I've got a vow I need to pay to the Lord. He, he lies to his father. He says, I've got a vow I need to pay to God. So I'd like to go back from where I was born down in Hebron, and, uh, and I want to pay that vow to, to, to God. And so David says, okay, go ahead. He goes down there, and he sends word through all of Israel that when you hear the trumpet, you'll know that Absalom's in charge. Something along those lines there. And, and he goes down there and, there and all these people start to gather to him. And he comes back and starts marching on Jerusalem. Well, David hears word about this. David hears word. He says, if I stay put, they're going to overrun me and they're going to kill me. He said, I better, I better take the safe road. I better get out of here because we're not prepared for this. And I better get out of Jerusalem and go hide in the wilderness for a little while until I can get my, my, my thoughts uh, figured out here. And I can get my people gathered and we can make a plan about this thing. And so that's what he does. He takes off. He takes off. And Absalom comes right into Jerusalem, sits on David's throne and starts acting just like the king. He just takes over. And the next thing he does is he calls for the man Ahithophel. He says, Ahithophel, he was daddy's counselor. He's going to come be my counselor. I need some wisdom. Now I'm a king. I know a king ought to seek some wisdom. I'm going to call on Ahithophel. Now, let me remind you that Ahithophel, David called him mine own familiar friend. It means he was close. He was, he, was, uh, he was near to him. He counseled him. He gave him wisdom. He was, a, he was a wise man. The scripture again says that, that Ahithophel here in verse 23, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. What that means there, that means the, the voice of God, the word of God. And, and we know they didn't have the entire Bible in these days. They had the books of the law and a little bit of history more than that. And, uh, and so they would often seek a prophet or someone else who would, uh, would give the word of God. And Ahithophel's counsel was similar to that. And so Ahithophel comes to counsel Absalom, David's son. Now look at the next chapter here and see what counsel he gives. Notice this. Look at verse 1 of chapter 17. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid, 
and all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only. And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man in whom thou seekest is as if all returned. So all the people shall be in peace. And the saying pleased Absalom well and all the elders of Israel. That sounds a little strange, doesn't it? Wait a minute. Here's here's the man that befriended the king. Here's the man that gave counsel to him. All right. Do you realize? let's, Let's get practical for a second. I pick on Brother Williams all the time. But you know what the truth is? I, I love this guy. He's awesome. He's, uh, he's a friend of mine. You know, he's, he's been in ministry a while. I ought to be able to pick his brain. He's been in ministry across the sea. He's been in ministry here. I ought to be able to go to him and ask him questions. And, and he'll testify. I do often. I say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And we'll discuss some things. I know I'm the pastor, but that man's a smart man. I go to him and I ask him questions. And we talk through things a lot. Can you imagine if Brother Williams, were you outside today over before Sunday school? You're out in the parking lot over here. Can, I, can you imagine if he was over there and a lot of you saw him today? Maybe you shook his hand. If he was kissing your hand and, and saying, oh, you know, if I was pastor, if, if I was the guy, if I was preaching today, I tell you what, we'd be out of here in five minutes. I don't believe it for one second, buddy. Not for one second do I believe that. All right? But, but understand it. Let's just make it practical for a minute. And he would, he would try to steal away the hearts of the people. You understand where we're going here? That's what Ahithophel did. Yeah, well, in church, I'll pass out candy. I'll throw it out. We'll, we'll have a good old time, and we'll be out of here real quick. Again, nobody believes that for a second. But... Uh, Amen. I love it. Amen. And, and, and one day, one day he, he puts a, whatever you want to call it, a group of people together and comes up and just takes over. You would have a hard time fathoming that. And then, and then not only that, but he gets together with the deacons. He said, you know what, Pastor John, it's time to get rid of him. How do you want to take care of it? Oh, brother Kidwell, you get a couple of your, you know, your guns, you know what I'm saying? And we'll act like we're hunting some geese or something. And Pastor John will come out of his office. We'll just take him out. Do you hear? But did you see in the scripture? That's exactly what he's doing here. All right. So, Brother Williams, I, I pray that you're not doing that. And, and um, I want you to know, Brother Kidwell, just be prepared because I'm packing, buddy. Just, just watch out. Okay. Okay. So, but listen here. Listen here. Listen here. That's what's going on in the scripture. His friend, his counselor says, yeah, Absalom, I'll help you. I can imagine that Absalom being the spooled brat and the boy that he was, he was sneaky and all that. He might have, Ahithophel might have been whispering in his ear all along if this is going on. How to work it out. How to do it just right. What to do to make this happen. And now we see Ahithophel wants to even kill his own friend. So he said it was his friend. How does a wise man Go from being as if speak as an oracle of God, as the very word of God to a man that wants to kill the king. Now notice it goes further than that. It goes further than that. Finally, it gets to a point where Absalom says, Hithphel, I don't want to take your counsel. I don't like your counsel. It gets down to, uh, oh, I, I believe it's chapter 17, if I'm not mistaken. It goes down to verse number 
14. It says, And Absalom, this is 2 Samuel 17, 14. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord hath appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. Everybody see that? The Lord's trying to bring evil on Absalom. Why would he do that? Because God always sides with his authority. That was a little weak this morning. God always sides with his authority. You look in the word of God, where, where, where uh, was it Miriam and Aaron? Moses' own family started murmuring against him. And God called him out, brought him right down to the tabernacle. And the Shekinah glory came down on that tabernacle. You remember that? I believe this is Numbers 12 or 13, something along those lines. And uh, just after they came back, or just before they, they went and spied out the land, all of that. And, uh, and so the Shekinah glory come down on the tent, and, and God said, uh, I'm, I back my man Moses, and that's the way we're going to do it. He's the man I've called, and, and uh, this is how I'm going to work. God always works through a man, and that's how, that's how that works there. And God backs his authority. You look at, David understood that, didn't he? David, David was anointed as the next king of Israel. And by his popularity and his skill as a man of war, he could have put a coup on Saul just like Absalom did on him. But he didn't. He said, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. God chose him to be king and God will remove him when he's ready. The Bible gives example after example about that thing. And so Ahithophel wants to kill him, but his, but his counsel is not taken. Notice here, it keeps going. It gets worse. Look in chapter 17, down at verse 23. This is 17:23. And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, look at this, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house and to his city and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Now, in chapter 16, verse 23, we see him at his peak. We see that when he spoke, it was as if the word of God was being heard. And then in chapter 17, verse 23, we see his, his bottom there. We see his, where he failed, where he died, where he went home and he killed himself. How could a wise man fall in such a way? How could a wise man who spoke as, when he spoke as, as if God was speaking, as if the word of God, and yet he turns against the king, in his anger and rage he says, Absalom, let me kill him. Let me go after him. If he's David's dear friend and he's a wise man, you know he's got some age to him. And we're, we're not talking about a 20-year-old here. We're talking about a man that wouldn't be likely to get a group of people and go out and kill somebody. Or a wise man here. And yet he wants, he's, he's enraged and he wants to do this thing. And then when it's, when it's not followed, he gets depressed. Gets, and goes home and kills himself. That doesn't sound like a man of God. Why did this happen? Big downward spiral. Why did this take place? What happened in his life? Can I show you some scripture that might be a help to us here? Would you take your Bible now? We're going to go to two passages. And I help you see something here in the, in the Word of God that the Lord has shown me. 
that perhaps might help us today. Let's go to a few chapters ahead to chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23. Why would this man, a wise man, turn against the king, want to kill him, and then go end his life when nobody followed him? 2 Samuel 23. Notice here, this is near the end of David's life, and he's listing off his mighty men, the men that followed David. He was his mighty men of war that went with him. And notice, if you would, please, where... Let's just pick a verse here. It says, verse 27, Ebiezer, you know, anybody else can pronounce these names, you're welcome to it, amen. Uh, a, the, the, Ebiezer, the Enetholothite, <laughs> amen, and, and M, the H, and Z, the A, you know, he's listing off all these guys here. You see that? All right? But there's, there's one I want to draw your attention to. Notice here with me, if you would, verse 34. Okay, he mentions one here, of, starts with an E, Eliphalet, the son of Ahasbei, the son of Machathite. Okay, that's one guy. Now here's the next one. Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite. See that? Follow with me. I'm going to take you to another passage in just a moment. But Ahithophel had a son right here named Eliam. And so Eliam, Ahithophel's son, was one of David's mighty men. Now notice this with me now. Okay, that's Eliam. Go with me now back to 2 Samuel 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, this is the scripture that God gives us of David's great sin with Bathsheba. And he committed adultery and, and, and took Uriah's wife, a Bathsheba here. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 3. This is 2 Samuel eleven three. Look what the Bible says. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of who? Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Help me here. If Bathsheba is Eliam's daughter, and Eliam is the son of Ahithophel, what does that make Bathsheba to Ahithophel? His granddaughter. Can you see Ahithophel watching the king? Have have men in leadership ever failed? Oh, certainly they have. Can I tell you, as your pastor, I'm going to fail you. I, 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 pray, I pray that it's not in that way, but you understand I'm a sinner. Just like the rest, all of us, we're all sinners. And sometimes leadership fails. David failed in such a horrible way here and, and let down the people and he was brought, brought, much shame was brought upon him and his family. We understand that. But can you see Ahithophel? He's watching the king. He can't really do anything about it. That's the king. What the king wants, the king gets. Even if he is his friend, the king's going to get what he wants. And the king's being lazy, and he doesn't go off to war one time. The Bible says when the kings went off to war, David was at home. Stand back. That was unusual. And he sees a woman that he wants. 
and he goes after her. And Ahithophel's back here just hearing of the news that the king has taken his granddaughter. What happens? She becomes with child, right? Yeah. And then David, trying to cover it up, doesn't work. He tries to bring Uriah, her husband, home and cover it all up, and it doesn't work. And so what happened? He sent him back to war and told, uh, told the captain of the Joab, he says, make sure that you put him in the front lines and back off and let him die. David had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed trying to cover it all up. So he could just take her right away and, and see if, if this sin wouldn't come out. Can you imagine Ahithophel? He's watching this. You can see him stewing a little bit, just getting burned up. That's my family you just messed with. That's my, grandba- that's my grandbaby right there. And you just brought her into your house, whether she was uh, saying yes or not. The king got what he wanted. You brought her into my house, and, and now look what you've done. You committed great sin against God, and look what you've done. And then you went and you killed her husband. You have destroyed my family. Can you see the, ra- the anger and the rage that is possible in man that can build there? Here's the thing. David got right. Didn't he? The next chapter, the Bible says the prophet Nathan went to him, put his finger in his face, said, thou art the man. You've sinned. And David said, you're right. And he got on his face before God and he started confessing his sin. He says, Lord, I'm a, I've sinned. I know I have. I've done it against you and you only, Lord. I've done this sin, this great sin. We have Psalm 51 where David confesses his sin. And we have that record of that and that whole psalm where he's trying to confess his sin and get right with God. All right, you ever been there and you confess some sin, get right with God, amen? Praise the Lord that he is forgiving and merciful. Many of us have done some things that we would be ashamed if people found out about, but God's forgiven us of those things. Hallelujah. Praise God, it's under the blood. And David confessed his sin, got right, and and moved on from that, and God gave him that forgiveness. But here's a grandfather in the back back here, in the shadows, that's still having a hard time with it. See what's going on? Oh, yeah. So you got what you wanted, destroyed my family, and now you're acting like everything's hunky-dory. I don't know what that means, but it sounded good. (laughs) Hunky-dory. I think it's in the dictionary somewhere. Probably just my face and says, figure it out. (laughs) Okay. All right? But but Ahithophel, he's stewing. Can you see that? You've destroyed my family. And now you're acting like everything's just fine. And now Bathsheba's your wife. And oh, by the way, that baby died. That baby died. And now, oh, oh, you, so you've gotten right. And, and now there's a baby that's, that's died because of this. And now we can just go on with life. And though my family's paying the cost. You can see some bitterness setting in, can't you? Yeah, that's what happens. When people do us wrong, that's going to happen. God said when people offend you, you need to forgive them. 
And you need to let that thing go. But what happens, we hold on to it. We hold on to that and we just hit, we get a grudge. And that bitterness starts growing in our heart. And it starts eating us up. Just starts eating us up. It doesn't matter if it's your, if it's your pastor that offends you. It doesn't matter if it was your parent. It doesn't matter if it was another family member or a sibling or even a child or someone else. We can grow so bitter over things that because we cannot forgive. Say, well, if you only knew what they did. Can you imagine Ahithophel looking at David? Do you know what he did to my family? It's easy to see that bitterness and easy to understand that now it enrages him because he's held on to it for several years. And now he wants to kill David any, as soon as he can, as the, any chance, and he's got, he's got an opportunity. But now, when his bitterness and his rage is going to, he thinks is going to come to that climax and take care of the situation, now I can't even do it. And he gets all stirred up in his anger, gets depressed even because he can't, he can't do it. He can't do anything about it. Goes home and kills himself. It destroyed his life. It destroyed his life. I want you to turn in your Bibles with, with me, please, to the New Testament. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible does not say in the book of 2 Samuel, it does not say that Ahithophel was bitter. However, it shows every sign of being bitter. It shows the pattern of a man whose life is ripped apart from the inside out because he let bitterness destroy him. Notice here what Hebrews chapter 12 says in verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. The Bible says, looking diligently. You know what that means? It means beware. Keep our eyes open. Beware. Lest any man fail the grace of God. What does that mean? If any man fail, come up short, fall away, give up. Fail the grace of God. That, that's a, I looked up the Hebrew, or excuse me, the Greek word there, trying to understand it a little bit. And we know the grace of God, but, but here in the context, it seems a little different there. And, and the idea here is pointing to is the, is the fact that here's a, here, beware lest any man fall away from sin against a life of gratitude for what God has done for them. In other words, we, we live life, let, let all the, because he died for us, what's 1 Corinthians, is it, excuse me, 2 Corinthians uh, says, all those that, die, that he died for them, that they might live for him. I know I'm not quoting it correctly. You check it out later, amen, hallelujah. 2, 2 Corinthians somewhere, amen. And it says that we ought to live for him. A life of gratitude, a life of, uh, of serving him because of what he's done for us. And here it says, beware, lest any man fail that, that life, that give up or, or sin and come away from a life of gratitude before God for all he's done. Look what it says. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. 
bitterness. What's it say? A root of bitterness springing up trouble you. You know how bitterness is? And what happens is somebody offends us and a little seed gets planted. Somebody offends us and a little seed gets planted. And, and if we don't take care of it and we don't forgive and we don't, we don't ask God to help us to forgive and to do it the right way, that seed, as soon, soon you know what happens? A little root jumps out. You know how seeds work? How they, how they grow in the soil there? And I'm not a scientific guy and have all the right words and all that, like germination and all that stuff. All I know is a seed has a root pop out there and takes some root in the ground. Starts to grow out, doesn't it? And next thing you know, a little thing pops up through the soil. Springs up, doesn't it? That's what he's talking about here. And, and what God's teaching us is, get rid of it early, that bitterness. Get rid of it early. Because it's a little tiny seed. And it's, it's not taking up much ground. But it's going to grow. And it's going to grow into a big old tree that you're going to have a hard time removing in your life. Get rid of it and get rid of it early. It is not in your control. It's outside of your control that this person did that thing that offended you. But God said, forgive them and get rid of your bitterness. That's what he told us to do. I'm telling you, I'm seeing it through and through. So I've dealt with it in my life. We all, many of us have been offended by people and we've dealt with bitterness. And we've had to get that thing right. Where you understand you live life and you're trying to be right with God and then somebody mentions a name and you go. You with me? That's a grudge right there. That's bitterness. Because then then that name has to come up again. We don't talk about that around here. You know what that is? That's bitterness. It will destroy you. Because it's right in here, inside. There's a few things I want to give you and then we'll be done. Bitterness destroys your relationship with God. Pastor, what are you talking about? Bitterness destroys your relationship with God. The Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 5. How a man comes to give an offering to God, a sacrifice to God. And he says, Jesus said, if you're not right with your brother, you leave it right there and go get right before you give it. That's what he said. He said, I don't want your gifts and your sacrifice to me if you're not right with your brother. You go get right and then you come back. That's what he says. But what what he's explaining to us is, if we're not right this way, we can't be right this way. You with me? If we're not right this way, we can't be right this way. And he says, you go get right with your brother. Our bitterness destroys our relationship with God. Isaiah says, your sins have come between you and God that he cannot hear. He says that in Isaiah chapter 59. Secondly today, bitterness destroys your relationship with others. It does. You know bitter people. And you don't want nothing to do with them. You don't want to be around them. Because bitterness doesn't just affect that person you're bitter against. It affects all these other people that are around you. And it, it's, a, it's a cancer. It's a, it's a disease that, that destroys you from the inside. And then it starts poking its head out on the outside. And people start hearing it and seeing it. And it destroys your relationship with other people. 
I've been that one that's in the, the rock and the hard place where this person's bitter against that person. And they're like, well, go tell, you go tell that person that this is what they need to do. No, you go tell them. Don't put me in that spot. You go get right with them and you figure that thing out. And, and f- before long, what you don't, you don't want to have anything to do with either one of them because they're both bitter. It destroys your relationships. Dads, if you fester on this thing of bitterness, your family will be destroyed. Your wife, your marriage, your kids, all of that. They won't not want nothing to do with you and they'll see it and, and, and you will, I'm telling you, it'll destroy your life. I've seen it. Ma'am, same thing. Sometimes we as adults, we hold on to bitterness from years and years and years ago of our parents. And it eats us up. And it affects everything we do. Because it's rooted in the inside. Can I tell you what? Bitterness destroys you. That's the third thing. Bitterness destroys you. It takes your joy away. It keeps you from being right with God. And it will destroy you. Let's finish up. Christ said, I want, I, want you to, I want you to be different from that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know what we need to do? We need to come to these old-fashioned altar right here, these steps right here. We need to pour our heart to God and say, Lord, i got a big old oak tree of bitterness in my life over this thing from years and years and years ago. And Lord, I'm having a hard time letting it go. And Holy Spirit of God, I'm begging you and help me to chop that tree down and get rid of it. And pull them roots out of that ground, Lord, and help me this week, today, to have peace in my heart and give forgiveness to that person. It starts right here on an altar. That where I come to get right with God and say, Lord, I need your help with this thing. I'm going to go to my brother or to my sister in Christ or I'm going to go to my parents or I'm going to go to this person and, and I'm going to tell them I forgive them. That's step two. You've got to start with God and you've got to go for, forgive the person and tell them and mend that relationship. Bitterness will destroy you if you do not. It will destroy your family, destroy your friendships with people and certainly destroys your relationship with the Lord. Don't let it destroy you. Starts right here. Maybe today you don't understand it all, but you know where people have hurt you. Maybe maybe you don't really know the Lord. You say, "Well, I I, I want to get rid of bitterness in my life, but I don't really know the Lord. I don't really talk with Him. I don't have a relationship with Him like that. That I think I I could just come to the altar and and, and pray to Him. Let's take care of that. Let's take care of that. I serve a great God." And because of Jesus Christ, my Savior, there, there was a great veil in the Jewish temple that was between the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, and, and, and where everybody else would be. It was called the Holy of Holies. It was a center point where, where God resided in that temple. And there was a big veil, like a big curtain, that separated the presence of God from everyone else. The Bible says when Jesus died on that cross, he ripped it from top to bottom. Jesus Christ and His bloodshed gave us the ability to come openly to God and get right with Him and have a reconciliation with, with God our Father. Amen? 
And so if you don't know the Lord today, I encourage you to come. I encourage you to come. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And you can come today and receive salvation from your sins and get uh, to become a child of God. To have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the beginning. Then you can say, Lord, help me to get rid of this bitterness. Help me to get rid of this bitterness in my life that is eating me up and destroying my family. Destroying my family. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this thought, this warning today, Lord, you've given us. Lord, bitterness is such an ugly thing. We have a hard time forgiving people and we hold on to things and we may have grudges and we just don't let them go. Lord, and all that really is is our pride. We understand that. But God, that thing festers for a long, long time and it destroys so much. Look at Ahithophel, Lord. Here he's a, he's, he speaks as if, if the word of God was being spoken and the, and the bitterness of watching his family destroyed and he wouldn't forgive David. It ruined his life. Lord, I think about all the people in his family that was affected because he took his own life. All those people that had to pick up the pieces afterwards. Lord, I, I help us, Lord, to understand this today. Lord, there's families in here and there's people in here that are hurting and they need you. And I pray that they would come Lord, to the one who can forgive. And that's you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for, Lord, offering yourself upon the cross years ago and paying, having that sin debt, that weight upon you, Lord, of my sin and paying the price for that, Lord. The wages of sin is death. I understand that. And you took that on yourself. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray if one's here today who doesn't know you, who is not a child of God, Lord, that they would come and they would get saved this morning. Lord, I pray that though I was preaching on bitterness, maybe they don't, they're not bitter, but they just need to get saved. They just need to come meet the one who created them, who died for them, who's their savior. And Lord, I pray that one would come today to get saved if, that, if there's any in here that are not. And Lord, others of us, that we would come and deal with bitterness in our lives. Lord, on an old-fashioned altar. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning.